Welcome to Hellcast. This is Reaper. And today, Eddie Satan couldn't make it to the show. So I figured while he's fucking around and while I was down in hell, I was going to go bang on uh, Hell's Headbanger's door, get one of the sponsors in here and, you know, take the place for his slacking. His uh, pay will definitely be docked as he's been half-assing it. He's been just really shitty. But I figured it was a great opportunity because, fuck yeah, it's a... We could finally hear about some other bands other than Metallica and Ghost for once. <laughs> so, as he's listening, go fuck that guy. <laughs> no, but Eddie Satan will be on later in the show. Just between the holidays and all that bullshit, we kind of, you know, got a little stumbled around and didn't want to break momentum. So when we talk to Dennis, the uh, heavy metal teacher, we'll get to hear from Mister Satan, and he'll be back on. So I think thirty-four shows in, and him having a a pretty good dedication to the show. I think we could let him slide on this one and bring you the high class entertainment that hell's had or that the hellcast is so i went when i was down in hell i grabbed one of the uh partial owners of hell's headbangers justin welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me i'm glad i can do some slack picking up around here too <laughs> do plenty of that at work so figure come down here pick some up so yeah that's why well, eddie's busy with his bullshit <laughs> i'm sure he is yeah what could be more important <laughs> Uh, you know, taking a dump or rearranging his midnight t-shirts. Or... Yeah, and his ghost shirts. Here's got plenty of those. <laughs> That's the impression I get when I hear him on the show. Blowing Papa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure he is. Slobbing his knob. <laughs> Guess he's just wiping his chin now. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Eddie's cool. Glad to have him on the show always. I mean, I listen all the time. Me and my uh, two other owners of Hell's Headbangers, as some people may or may not know, which is all three of us are brothers, you know, so we're all running that. So, I mean, I guess it's about time that uh you know one of us come on the show uh, you know who knows maybe uh erica chase will too one of the shows i think it'd be great i mean actually that was uh slack fuck uh <laughs> satan's idea which he had a really good idea so he's not slacking too bad that was eddie's idea he came up to me and said hey i'd like to have each one of you guys on a show while eddie's gonna be dicking around doing what he's doing we're gonna finally i'll just take his good idea and roll with it and and get someone on the show but yeah. uh I was asked recently by a, uh, a fan of the show, um, uh, Jesse, I believe. Uh, he asked me, you know, long time listener to the show, really appreciates it, wrote very nice things, had really nice things to say. Uh, but he was asking me, he's like, obviously, Hell's Headbangers is one of your favorite labels, or is your favorite label. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, what is your favorite label? And really, to honestly answer that question, I. <laughs> Uh, Hell's Headbangers is my favorite label. I, I, and it's not, you know, to be the arrogant because, oh, it's the sponsor and, well, because they make the show and, you know, I got to say that. But it, it's really because you know, a lot of shit is, I mean, look at look at the ones that we've even talked about and look at where they are and what they're doing. They're fucking dicking around signing shitty bands. And then, then they're reverting back to, you know, what did sell or what, what could sell because they find out that records are popular again i.e. reissue uh morbid angel albums you know, yeah for- yeah yeah no i mean i i definitely agree i mean as far as other labels there's definitely some other great labels out there that are starting for passion i mean ones that come directly to my mind out the gate is dark descent um blood harvest uh satanic skinhead i mean whether i like all their releases or not that's besides the point it's not always that uh it's kind of like what you say for i mean like take someone like central media it gets kind of annoying because I don't know those guys personally, but I'm pretty damn sure the staff down there isn't listening to necropsy and stuff that they're reissuing. Yeah. You know, they're just putting it out kind of to, uh, like, reclaim themselves. Right, you know, right. They, you look at their current roster and new bands, and it's 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 pretty laughable. I mean, I'd be embarrassed if I was in their shoes. You know, just using that, not to throw them under the bus, but there's other labels, obviously. You can use your imagination who 
it's not too hard to figure out. It's usually what's considered the big boys. But for us, no. I mean, uh, I can't say that I like everything on the label, but I don't think there's anything we put out that is shitty. And the reason for not like why someone might be like, well, why did you put it out if you don't like it? Is like I said, McGee, there's three of us. There's three owners, and everything we've ever released, at least somebody on the label does like. One of us does like. Right. And, uh, you know, it's a basically a two out of three votes. That's how we put something out, you know. We let one of us listens to it, and, you know, one likes it, and the other's done it. It just goes about two out of three. I mean, the biggest curveball experimental release we've ever done, in my opinion, was probably Vladimir's Late Hours, which yeah, Eddie, Eddie loved it. It's from waste down to how often I hear him bringing them up. Uh, that was the most experimental because it's not really metal. I guess it's got some metal influences in it. The only re- the reason we did that is because uh, all three of us just so happen to be big fans of it. Yeah. You know, so it's not like it's a uh, central media relapse where you're like, man, look at all the shit they used to be doing in the 90s. And now look, and you're like, what the fuck? Because it sells. Cl- it's just clearly obvious they're doing shit that sells. And I mean, Vladimir's by no means was the top seller on the label. It was just out of uh, passion, like the band, like like every release they've ever done. But as some of the fans of the label, they, they might have been a curveball for them thinking, well, whoa, I'm like, this isn't even metal. What's Hell's Headbangers doing? They jumping on this wagon. There was no wagon. I, like I said, if anything, that that release might have been more detrimental to us than benefiting us because, like I said, it, it, it isn't a very known band. It's a local band for Hell's Headbangers. You know, they're from Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. Is also uh, one of the members is uh, you know friends with uh, Crucify Mortals. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, we'll do it. You know, uh, we, we it was talked about. We didn't know how the uh, uh, supporters and fans and longtime, you know, customers of the label would be how they would receive it. But uh, it seemed to do well. I mean, as far as people that take on it, we didn't get anybody, you know, saying, what the fuck are these guys doing? Maybe they were thinking it. But uh, <laughs> that's that's that was the take on it. I mean, like another band I would do, which is more punk, is the Lurking Corpses. Like, I know uh, Eddie loves them. Uh, they're another great band. I would, I would be all for putting something out for by them. Um, like I said, it's always the main thing. It is it's stuff that that, that we uh, that like that we put out. One the, of us. The examples more and more paint like some picture that like Eddie was like to has this giant like plug card. Like I got I got to point out these obscure bands or something for else. Well, that's like, cool because fire almost, me. Yeah, I think uh, no, no, yeah, I think that's kind of cool because I do think those bands are very unrecognized. And uh, one thing I notice in a company, you know, obviously our bread and butter for obviously is is the distro. Mm-hmm. You know, having over ten thousand items in stock. You know, is the store, and it's kind of funny seeing what sells and what doesn't, and it's just like it's 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 sad sometimes. Some stuff that, you know, of course, not everybody's going to like. You, everyone has their own opinion. It's just because I like it doesn't mean that everyone is going to be popular. Yeah, but some stuff where you know quality music, and you're just like, man, this should be selling better than some stuff that is selling out the wazoo. And you're like, this shit is just not very good. A lot of labels, and I think that's what happens is by the example you just gave, it's the the flip effect. It's you know. Here's a band that you're just a fan of, and you're going to use your name, your push, to make it put it out there because you're just a fan, and you're like, well, fuck it. I mean, realistically, how much is it to you know put out a CD? It's not much. It's in your yeah. thing. It's it's not going to be a, a detriment. It's not going to take away from any revenue. It's it's not impossible to do. So fuck it. Why not do it? Because as, as a, that's a fan of the music. Where I think a lot of the the labels what happens then is they just see dollar signs and that's what becomes then their fucking uh you know their roster i mean how many labels have we but fuck you and i have looked at and laughed at and it's like what is this yeah yeah, yeah. what what are they signing and how does this sell how do you even have the uh the, the clientele being what your history was to put out this shit it's just it just it makes no sense i think as much as we talk about bands and the stuff that we've talked about on the show, there's a, a very organic thing that you can 
just get from people by just their actions. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that you know still remains with you know Hell's Head Bangers as a label, uh, even clearly you know by doing a podcast that will just come out and just say, well, yeah. fuck this, that you know this is bullshit, and just call it out. And I think. That at the end of the day, when, when why that could be looked as at something as like a, well, you're shitting where you're eating kind of thing. You almost gain a respect through just being honest and being like, that's my opinion. You take it, laugh at it, don't be offended by it, don't be some fucking pussy. That's just what it is, you know. That that's that's my take on it, and you, I think you almost have a more respect by it. Where you know you well, all these other labels that they aren't doing that shit. It, it is like you got to make good with this guy. You got to do this or that. You got to sign this guy and you put out that shit. Which this stuff, you know, obviously that isn't the case for the label. I mean, as you just look at us, I mean, just even with the name Hell's Headbangers, is actually where the name started. Was um, it was actually the name came from actually Eric. Well, before you actually- go any further with that, I think maybe some people might be com- kind of confused. Like, so who does what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase, he's um, he does like all the website stuff. Any of, the, any of the behind the scenes crap that a lot of people wouldn't want to deal with, including myself, <laughs> uh, he does a lot of that. Um, a lot of the website stuff and uh, and just uh, technical things. A lot of things that, to be honest, I, I'm, I really don't know a lot about. I'm not a big computer guy, um, so that's Chase does that. I mean, in a nutshell, I'm just giving you a brief. Uh, Eric, his main department is he does all the layouts and stuff. So mm-hmm. if you like how our products look, like the LPs and CDs and stuff, well, you know, realistically, there's only one person to be thanking. It should be him. Mm-hmm. He's the one that does all that. And then myself, if you want to just put a title on me, I'm, I'm the uh, warehouse manager, basically. You know, I make sure, you know, with all the packaging and stuff. So if you got a fucked up pack, you could be knocking on my door. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, ma- I manage that and just, you know, the, all the, just to hold the whole warehouse, you know, obviously the inventory and stuff, which is massive. And uh, But in a nutshell, that's what the three of us do. But that, that's all I'm saying, though, as far as uh, with uh, Hell's Headbangers, the name. Like you're looking at the roster of the stuff. Like I said, Eric Eric made the name up, you know, back when we were uh, we were teenagers actually, and it was represented because I mean, some people may look at it and it'd be like, damn, these guys, you know, they release, uh, you know, black metal, thrash metal, death metal. We they release some heavy metal bands like Armor, and they're like, fuck, I mean, they're all over the place, and it's not a central media all over the place where it's like this is even a, a subgenre. This is what the fuck is this? Yeah, there's none of that. And the reason was for the title Hell's Headbangers is exactly what it, what it says. Hell's Headbangers. It's a, it's across the board. We're not strictly death metal. We're not strictly black metal. It's what we like. It's yeah. realm of music. I mean, if any any of the three of us have outside music tastes, if anybody's listening to fucking Madonna or something, which we're not, but if we were, <laughs> certainly we wouldn't bring that to the table. Yeah. It's keeping in the realm of this kind of music. You're a fan of it bringing that to the table. That's where the name came from. So that's why we're not restricted. Some labels... Which are respectable labels in the underground, like um, some of them restrict themselves to like I'm only releasing death metal, and it's yeah. like you know that's cool if that's what you want to do, but it's like you're kind of handicapping yourself too. Yeah, well, and that's kind of what uh, you know, Eddie always kind of says too, just with the metal genre. Like I don't even I don't know what the fuck to label this. You know, it's metal. Just listen to it. It's good. It, it is. It's kind of like how can you almost restrict this shit? Because yeah, because take a band like Merciful Fate. How can you like? Some to this day, sometimes people, I mean, listening to it and knowing all the genres, in my mind, you know, it's heavy metal with satanic lyrics. But back then, people were saying, like, oh, it's black metal, or it's, you know, it's, it, it is just heavy metal, or it's, you didn't really have a, a, a genre classification for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, so what if you're a strictly black metal fan? You don't like them now? Or if you are, you know, if you are a strictly black fan, black metal fan, you do like them. Well, hold, hold the phone. Whether or not they don't sound like Dark Throne, obviously. So, um, yeah, that's why they had the restrictions. It's kind of 
kind of silly in my opinion bust out the typical questions but it seems to be you know maybe a wonder for people or just that you know don't really know how like music and shit works if someone were say hey i want to start a label mm-hmm. what, w- what would you tell that person oh for them that it's just like like i said when we, we were just kids i mean i would just say consistency is the biggest thing put out stuff that you like and that you believe in and put in the work you know, if you think if you think you're just going to put it out and hope it just oh, everybody's going to come to you and buy it, well, you got another thing coming. That's not going to happen. So you just understand, yeah, put something out, but you're going to you know you're going to have to push it. You're going to have to start a website. Hope you like doing trades because everybody likes to trade. If you think you're just putting it out, and trading the product, for trading other the product. Products. Well, yeah, trading the product with other labels and other distros because mm. a lot of guys, I'd say 99 percent of people don't wholesale. They want to trade because they want to mm. move their product. So you better. Be well aware of that. You're going to have to do trades. So in other words, you're going to have to start a distro. So yeah, understand that. Have to, you're going to have to start a distro. It's going to be a lot of work. And put out products that you believe in and just keep doing it. Be consistent with it. And eventually, if you're doing it right, it, it, it should go somewhere. I mean, because yeah, I remember when we were doing this, we were just, we were, you were kids, teenagers in high school. And all of us had jobs at the same time. We were just doing this part-time for fun. We had no ambitions of starting a business, had no ambitions of getting it to the level that it's at. It was just release after release. Oh, fuck yeah, I like this, I like that. Actually, my part was for some of the releases that you see coming out, the biggest things, in case people are wondering why do they do these re-releases, stuff like the like the Immorticians, mm-hmm. the Incantations, Decease, Macabre, Centurions coming out next. I mean, up soon, not next. It's 2014. Those were basically albums or, or cds that i really was a big fan of that i loved and i wanted to see them come out on vinyl that was you know you go as early back as um deceased fearless undead machines i think would be the first one that was on cd never came on vinyl and just basically contacted king and the band and relapse records the licensing from put it out i mean we were actually i had that idea before like back on black for example existed I had that back idea on black do, being the label that's doing a lot of like, a lot of the reissues. classics. Yeah, a lot of yeah. the classics. I had that idea of doing that before they even existed, before the big vinyl boom, and it was simply because I wanted it for my personal collection. That was the only reason for it. We are delving into it a little bit more now. For the fact, the matter is that we just got a little bit more, just a little bit. I just add a little bit more diversity. Be like, okay, yeah, you know, people seem to be into it as well. But a lot of like the morticians and stuff, those were never on vinyl, and we we're doing them. And I'm, I've always been a huge mortician fan, so I wanted them on vinyl for myself. And it's just great that other people wanted them. So I think there's others that are like, fuck yeah, they were thinking what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, as opposed to see, I think the way we do it, in my, in my opinion, they look really nice. The way they come out, and that's the way I wanted them for myself. Someone like Back on Black, man, you get them, and a lot of times the covers are fuzzy, or they just they didn't clean them up very well, and it's like, fuck, you know, what are you guys doing? It's just kind of like they're just kind of cranking them out, which just looks like it's obviously for money, and that that shit's irritating. And I'm not saying all their stuff's like that. I mean, they have some nice looking ones, but um, we're not obviously. It's very obvious, or at least it should be, if you look at the history of the company, that we're not just cranking shit out for money, as opposed to a lot of these other guys. They, they you know, they weren't doing it until the vinyl boom. They just said, oh, you know, kids want this stuff, so let's put it out. Yeah, they're not taking the risks. They're, they're, they're not taking the risks. They know it's a sure thing. In the beginning days, like doing a day job, then coming home and just doing, you know, hell's headbangers. Did you at any point like kind of go like as things started to take off? Because obviously, nothing in the beginning. You can have big dreams, but did you at any point get a more of a, a clear goal in sight, or was it just kind of like just taking it as it came? Like, you know, well, we can make this happen, so why don't we make it happen? No, honestly, I mean, in my mind, I mean, like I said, get Chase and Eric on the show. Maybe they thought about it differently. I'm sure we probably we do have different opinions in, in a way, so they may answer this differently. But my mind, in all honesty, was just 
excited for release to release. You know what I'm saying? Even to this day, I still have that spark. Like, I can't wait for the Centurions to come out, stuff like that. It was, that's all I was thinking about. You're just doing the daily rut, day to day, and you're just like, man, I can't wait for that that fucking, you know, deceased to come out. It's going to look fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, just waiting for the plant, and just, it just you're all of a sudden, as the years go by, you're like, fuck, we're getting bigger. People don't know about us. People are ordering and stuff. Just, just, just kept doing what we're doing. So it wasn't like dreams, like, hey, what are you going to do this for a living? Are you going to do this? Uh, how far are you going to take the label? Or what are you going to do in the future? I mean, no, with that that stuff on my mind was never really thought about. It was just like, you know, this is what you're doing in life. Just keep doing it. Yeah, it's my hobby. More yeah, or pretty much. It was, at, the time, at the time, it was a hobby because we were all working full-time jobs. That's all it was, was a hobby. It's, uh, I want to get this big or I want to be like uh, hanging out with Relapse or anything like that. It was There was never a goal. I don't know what those guys, maybe that's what they set out to do. So how did the idea then stem then, then to get you know three brothers involved? Like, where Some just you know got off the crapper one day and was just like, hey, let's start a label. No, no, no. What it was was uh, the three uh, three of us. I mean, um, when you're young and you're just getting into metal, I mean, we were into metal for a few years already by that point, mm-hmm. you know, probably three, four years. You're very enthusiastic about checking out bands and almost anything you hear, if it's extreme and it's good, you know, you almost like it, especially if you're going in the back, you know, kind of like the back catalogs when you're hearing Venom for the first time, Merciful Fate for the first time, or like even like when you get to the, to the, uh, which got like a lot of the 90s scene you know you get all the 90s death metal stuff and hearing that all for the first time the extreme black metal stuff you know it's 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 fresh it's new so of course it tears your face off if that's kind of music is appealing to you which obviously it was to us so with that being said is there was three of us and i guess like a lot of people in the metal scene which are just nerds you know collecting (laughs) collecting uh, cds and records that's what we were into you know that was our hobby that was our interest so we were being nerds about it like you know if we were buying uh you know, like a carcass disc, all three of us bought it. You know, Rika Putrefaction, there was three in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, each one of us owned it. It wasn't just like, I owned it and they borrowed mine. No, they owned it too. Yeah, yeah. So I owned a C, they owned a C, they owned a C, I owned the LP, they owned the LP, they owned it. So it was like three of everything in the house. And that's a little more diverse now as you get older. You know, I like stuff they don't and vice versa. So that's not exactly the same as always. So that's kind of how it started. Uh, we basically wanted to start a distro. We're like, well, we're buying threes of everything. Why not just buy like six of everything get it at a wholesale rate and then just retail the remainder off hmm. that way we're getting our own personal copies at, at wholesale yeah and you know because we're gonna buy it anyways instead of buying you know a disc at 12 bucks you will get it at like eight bucks or whatever it was you know i don't remember yeah. at the time that was the mentality that was it it was never to start a business it's like you know the other ones you know uh, just retail them off and whatever the extra money maybe we can just now eventually as the as the kitty builds up we can get our own copies for free that'd be awesome that'd be the dream mm-hmm. that's what it was the label part never even existed it was just a website called Hell's Headbangers, and that's what we were doing. Looking to build up our personal collections. That was the only goal behind it. That was it. Nothing more than that. And the label aspect started with the Spawn of Saint and Blood Six split CD when uh, Jim Satis, Jim Satanic, whatever you want to refer to him as, he wanted someone to release his band, which was the Spawn of Satan side. And uh, he asked us at shows. We knew him for a few years, going to shows and stuff like that, and you know, friends with him. And we're like, whoa, we don't, I mean, I don't, we don't know anything about that. And he kind of just took us to a. a a local place that presses CDs and said, introduce us to him. He's like, you know, this costs about this much to put out a CD. And we're like, oh man, between the three of us, we, we can come up with that and put out a thousand CDs, yeah. put out a, you know, a thousand pressing. And that's how it started. We put that out. And then from there on out, that was our first CD release release. And then from there, he introduced us to Don of the Dead and Unslaughter. And Don asked us if we want to put out an Unslaughter seven inch. 
And it was kind of like the same thing. Oh, I never put out a record, but yeah, it sounds cool. Like, what's all involved? That sounds like there's a lot of work, whatever. So, well, here's the pressing company or whatever. And you, it's going to cost X amount. And it was the same thing. Like, all right, well, you know, we're working. You all save up some money. And the three of us, like, divided by three, because there's three of us to fund it, put it in and and, and put it out. Right. That, right. that was it. I think, uh, you know, the label had a, a notoriety, and especially in the non-slaughter department, just really elaborate. Not And not just like, you know, you get a nice glossy cover gatefold cover or something on a thick stock like elaborate you know it's like it folds out it's it's crazy shapes it's on there's maggots in the vinyl like just elaborate shit artistic yeah well the thing is that that's kind of the cool thing the funny part thing about it and not to toot our own horn we we didn't do it i'm sure i'm sure we at least helped it that we kind of helped bring the vinyl back to life in the scene because if you look at like late 90s early 2000s vinyl was kind of like dead in all honesty even big bands the bigger death metal bands like immolation at the time and stuff like that i remember like an unholy cult came out on vinyl it was like either limited to 500 or 666 nobody was even really doing a thousand and why because there wasn't demand to move it no one could move it like labels like merciless records and stuff they couldn't move it there was iron pegasus he was doing 500s of stuff like that both labels in germany yeah both labels in germany what's the the vinyl pretty much the vinyl yeah yeah, exactly the kings of vinyl over there but like I mean, the vinyl hype, when did that explode? Maybe that was around 2005 or so. I get, I get kind of mixed up with years. I just Seems to be within that time frame, yeah. And uh, I, I kind of believe that part of the reason why people started getting interested in vinyl is because kind of the stuff we were doing, like if you look at like Nunslaughter Cerebus, Nunslaughter Burn the Cross, the uh, Toxic Holocaust, Evil Never Dies picture this we did with the die-cut covers. We were doing this elaborate stuff that nobody was doing but at least at that time no one was doing and it and definitely not an underground metal scene so i think uh people were seeing these releases and getting them like man this is some cool shit and that kind of helps people getting interested in vinyl now i can't i'm not saying i'm not taking all credit because vinyl seems to be uh came back in other subgenres too of course like even like classic rock and stuff like that so i'm not i'm not well, trying many, to take many, all the credit many people say that uh, you know the rap guys kind of kept it alive because they're you know doing dj and stuff and squeaking yeah. records and stuff. so i'm not trying to take credit for bringing vinyl back alive if, if it sounds like that but i i think we deserve some credit on that aspect or either that or it's a hell of a coincidence because we were putting those out and people were making comments out the ass like man you guys are doing some cool ass packaging shit and all of a sudden two three years later you know vinyl all of a sudden people don't like cds no more you're a poser if you buy a cd it's records only all of a sudden that's the common the underground it's it, things go in circles so maybe it was just is either we helped bring it back or maybe we did sh- didn't do jack shit just right place right time well it's one or the other and and by that being said it might it might leave people though to that have, have a skeptical view to it or, or just a, a questioning debating view to it to, so to speak why the elaborate packaging packaging did you try to do it so as a, a selling point or where did the elaborate packaging no elaborate packaging to be all honest i mean uh, that's actually mostly to think as far as the idea of it was uh don and unslaughter uh he was the one that wanted his releases to be elaborate like that and then we just kind of applied it to others you know like uh, one that comes to my mind was like the, the, the slaughter fuck of death picture disc his die cut cover the toxic holocaust evil never dies then we did hell on earth well it seemed like a lot of people too just almost like expected it like well fuck i want to be on that label because they're gonna do this yeah me. yeah we've had people make those comments yeah so the idea certainly uh was brought up by Don Nunslaughter, and then, you know, obviously we were four because as collectors, yeah, that's cool as fuck. And I think that um, people that have been longtime supporters of the company are like, man, why don't they do that as much anymore? And actually, the reason to answer that question is because it was actually Eric and I that used to work. Like I said, we had a full time job, but we used to work for a printing company, mm-hmm. not pressing the records, but like print the print work and stuff, covers and stuff. Yeah. Well, we were able to do that. We did all that stuff by hand. 
Well, now obviously we do Hell's Headbangers full time. We don't work there no more, so we don't have the um, facility to do that. That's how we started off, almost kind of like you know the Misfits or something. They were doing their records by hand. Well, I can surely tell you, Jerry only ain't doing records by hand no more for the Misfits. If you look at our stuff, I mean, like I said, take the Macabre Dahmer for example. I think it's a damn nice packaging. It's nothing elaborate, but it's a nice looking release. You know, gatefold cover. You know, the picture discs, the uh, the whole splatter vinyl. I mean, try to keep it a really nice. Uh, record but we'll do some elaborate shit i know the uh nunslaughter acid which uh split seven inch which is coming out soon that's going to be pretty elaborate one so we do try to do it and uh not to mention you can't do elaborate on everything and also not everybody wants that you know you get a lot of people who are like oh records are for listening they're not toys you know what i'm saying so not everybody wants elaborate you know there's a whole punk uh attitude too where they're just spinning their records they don't care about condition they did basically use their covers as doorstops (laughs) you know so (laughs) And, you know, it kind of spawns another question, though, because you haven't just said working at a printing company. People kind of were accusing that Hell's Headbangers is up to, like, bootlegging material and perhaps just now even fueling that fire even more by hearing, like, whoa, they worked at a printing company. What do you say to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's That's been a topic that's been brought up by people, you know, accusing us of bootlegging and stuff like that. What I have to say to that is that's not true. And as far as working at a printing company, well, number one, like I said, is printing the covers and stuff. It's not we're not pressing vinyl. And just for the record, no, we don't have a, a printer in house. Like I've seen some comments back and like back on forums, like yeah, they got a printing press in their warehouse. <clears throat> it's just kind of funny how people uh, just assume and they never even seen anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, it's no mystery. Do we have some bootlegs in the in the store? Yeah, sure, sure we do. But the fact of the matter is, like I said, the get go, it's Hell's Headbangers. We carry all metal. You know, and like it or not, there's people that love those things and that collect them. And face it, that's that's kind of how the underground started with tape trading and stuff like that. People were dubbing demos and trading them and, and just, just, you know, replicating the covers just to kind of move the music. And a lot of times, two things about bootlegs, if you don't like them, number one, don't buy them then. And number two, as far as on the band's end is just make your stuff available and it wouldn't be wouldn't be bootlegs but as far as us we carry everything you know uh because there's no right or wrong answer as far as what to collect you know like i said just like ourselves the metal fans a lot of times are just nerds they're collectors they want their metal it's like it's like it's like drugs for them if you choose to buy it and you choose to not to buy it i mean if you think that i'm a fan of all ten thousand items in stock you need to think again and be a little more, more smarter than that that's not the case <laughs> just because i don't like it doesn't mean it's bad yeah um it's the same thing with uh, um your bootlegs or fan clubs or whatever you want to say some people love them and you know a lot of times and a lot of times you know when you carry it you know we get them in small quantities you know it's a little small pressing it's not like it's a lot of people are like oh well you're ripping the bands off no ripping the band off is taking a band's album you know they put out a brand new studio um, you do you, you dub it and you put out the same product they're putting out and you're trying to outsell them or sell it putting on a live show or something like that that they were never going to put out themselves that's just giving a different recording to the to the fan to the diehards that want it that's not ripping the band off they were never going to do it themselves how's that ripping them off and especially when a lot of times you see stuff coming in it's 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 in quantities of one to three hundred i mean i i can assure you nobody's making big big money on that but no we don't put out bootlegs i mean if you see our current roster how when we would even have time to do bootlegs it's funny because we get our requests all the time for people wanting to uh, check out our band their band for us to sign and we turn uh, people down daily just because we're busy why would we turn down official releases to do bootlegs i mean it wouldn't make sense but as far as do we trade form and stuff like i said you gotta do trades gotta move your product you gotta do trades yeah yeah we yeah we, we stock them i mean we stock it all why would you devote the time to something that's unofficial when you are 
obviously of stature to make it official yeah not only that that's why it doesn't make sense exactly because we could easily make it official and furthermore it's, it's really annoying too that people point fingers at us but you check all the other labels and they're carrying them too going back to a typical question as always with bands and what whatever what what is the overall goal then for the future oh the goal of a future is a is just to keep continue doing what we're doing and at the end of the day like i said regarding what the the the, the having um all the different stuff in stock including fan club releases our goal is like i said our bread and butter was the distro is just to have the best metal distro in the world that's our goal you know have the biggest and the best and the only way you're going to do that is have everything for everybody you know then that's that's everything t-shirts vinyl cds cassettes that's why we have it so you will have like really obscure cassettes and, and buttons and stuff like that as opposed to a lot of people it's it don't want to deal with that other stores because the shit can be a pain in the ass like buttons you can lose them easily and stuff like that they're kind of hard to store um so like that but that's why we carry it all is because at the end of the day we want to have the best metal store in the world and a store that is that is the goal Yeah. <laughs> 
And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I have no idea what that means. For Christ's sake, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But maybe... We can turn to the phone. But now, a lot of people have asked us, when are we going to do kind of a touch base with the fan kind of thing, like live Never. radio does? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was the exact response. There's a reason why we pre record these episodes, because we don't want to fucking talk to you people. But we today listen we anyway. <laughs> Instead, we are. And today, we have a longtime fan. I'm, I'm just making this up. I don't really think he's a big fan at all. But he's listened to one or Long two episodes. for the whole two years that <laughs> it's been going on. Forever. <laughs> yes. Listen to an episode or two. Give it up for Dennis. Yay. <laughs> Hi, Dennis. Hello. How are you guys doing? Shitty. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here next to Reaper shitty, too. Reaper was sharing some new... Uh, crucified mortals lyrics it sounds like yes that intro there that's Oops. exactly what it was <laughs> they were no dennis was so kind okay. he was so kind to have sent in some fan mail not email but mail snail mail and what he sent me really touched my heart he sent me jesus harvest seeds and basically what it is is even shittier candy corn <laughs> hey, I and, have one, please. I have an and, and, Yeah, and he, oh, here you go. You can have the and half the. But it's now. Are these for Jesus Ween? And by any chance, Dennis? Um, I don't quite know what they are. I mean, I, I thought only the best for uh, for Hellcast. So I was trying to spread the light and the love. I well, felt very loved. <laughs> well, apparently, at three twenty three in Rome, they said, "For all have sinned and come short the glory of God." So just they they come short. Craig comes short all the time, from what I understand. But well, I'm um, sorry, Reaper. Comes Not that we know who he time. was. So that right. <laughs> yeah, we- at night, Dennis sends out packages of Jesus Ween candy to anonymous people. During the day, he is also a, 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 the metal school teacher in Delaware, and we just figured it'd be great to hear some uh, feedback because I, I had as a kid had a uh, teacher, a history teacher. He once pulled me off to the side. He's like, you know, my favorite heavy metal record of all time is Exodus, Bonded by Blood. And looking back now, I don't know why I wasn't like, that's fucking great, because I was just kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but at one point in, in class we were talking about i don't know world war ii or something and he just went into the quoting you know you got to fight for what you believe to be right and, and he, like everyone's just giving like this weird look and stopped and he's like craig knows what i'm talking about <laughs> I, was like, I was like did he call you reaper back who? then yes he called me Re- yeah yeah and that's what i was like who <laughs> have you ever done that uh, dennis um not too often because i don't think anyone would know what what i was talking about so uh, <laughs> what grade do you teach or grades um middle and up through high school so pretty diverse age range but not too many uh not too many metal head kids often so you got the full metal look though like you got the long hair and everything so then you go to school just obviously dressed down as, as teacher business they don't give you like any gripe for you know being into metal on the off hours and stuff Nah, nobody seems to care for the most part i work with uh, quote unquote a lot of marginalized students as they say so they kind of like the the long hair and that kind of thing kind of like 
makes you like an oddball compared to the other teachers. So I think in some ways it kind of helps some of the kids relate to you. Uh, so with them obviously being around like the modern day kids and stuff, do you ever have like a moment though? Like you see some kid walk and then with like a shitty metal band that, that pretty much uh, something that we would probably mention. My on, bloody, what, what bloody Valentine or something. Okay, let's say that. My bloody Valentine yeah. or something and walks in like, you know, hey, heavy metal teacher, I like metal too. Do you ever like just feel that it's like, Man, I got to teach this kid history, and I got to teach him about metal, apparently. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that feel. Like, I don't think it would be cool to parrot what they like, but I think I try to open their, you know, open the doors to some new things that they may not know that they might think's a little bit better. Like, you know, for example, if they just know Metallica, God forbid they actually do, but... (laughs) (laughs) Who forbid? (laughs) Yeah, kind of open their eyes to some other things. You know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily intensely underground but just something that they might not have known to maybe to move them towards some of the underground stuff they seem receptive receptive to it then i'll you know try to point them in the direction of some new stuff that they might like for sure that'd be freaking sweet man you just like you go to school and like your teacher's like hey 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 uh, son son we gotta have a chat here <laughs> this, this, this my bloody valentine's not gonna work out <laughs> let me let, let's let me show you something here here's some overkill demos or yeah, something yeah. Then he's like yeah you're getting all these yeah. like demos and shit a couple years ago there was a kid that kind of very rarely showed up to school and he was in the metal so he came in you know and i got to to know him so i was i would you know burn him cds to make him come to school and you know i met his mom at one of the conferences and i, I said to her like i hope you don't mind me burning them cds because some of the stuff can be kind of you know crazy as you know and she was like no no just keep burning them stuff make them come to school i would just think that that could be almost a detriment so at some point like i, I guess you got your obviously a head on your shoulders to where you think you're not gonna be yeah burning them maybe something like impaled nazarene give them you know only kids i would i'd burn anything for the kids that like that are in high school that i, that I know pretty right well. i mean i wouldn't anything for you know just some random person that I, I i don't really know you know there's some other kid of stuff that i've burned that he's he'll ask me to reburn it because his dad's really in the metal, so he's like, oh, "My dad, uh, my dad took those CDs. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's them, so you burn it for me again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Hey, Dad, look at my teacher gave. Give me those. <laughs> I can't listen yeah. to him. No, I'm going to listen to him. Yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. You mad at me, Daddy? No, yeah. <laughs> I just want this for myself. I'm yeah. too cheap to go buy the real ones. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, son. I'm going to spend money on whores and booze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily in that order either. <laughs> right. What subject did you teach? English and math. So no, no history. I guess maybe listeners too, but like, man, Reapers just cut off from the world. How like just look out fucking side. But you know, dealing with kids and Snowing. shit, are they just absolutely oblivious to records and tapes and stuff? Like even existing, or that someone would even listen to that stuff? Because it really seems like history is repeating itself. That all the old things are coming back around. Like all the styles that were like I think like right now we're in the seventies as far as metal is concerned. That's popular. A lot of people like the Doom. Hell, a lot of as we even said in a one segment a lot of uh metal guys are going to classic rock or, or, or psychedelic rock so to speak and it's crossing genres in a way does the young generation seem to be very oblivious to the old styles of, of metal the ones that i've met that are into it i mean don't really like disturbed and those kind of crappy bands so i mean they kind of like stuff that's pretty cool so, and then as far as the other ones, I mean, they don't even know what it is at all. I mean, they just say like, oh, it's rock. Like they think everything is rock. Like, you know, like the Beatles up through, if they heard, you know, Crucified Mortals or Necrophils, it's yeah. all rock. So they don't really even differentiate 
<laughs> between standard rock and and metal. So, so obviously a lot of downloading nowadays. Like everybody just downloads and downloads and downloads, which I think is pretty lame. Do, yeah. Do you <laughs> yeah. ever run across kids who are like, I bought this new vinyl, or I bought a seven inch, or I bought a an album or a record? You know, and they yeah, actually mean a record, because, not a CD. Did you get that much, or is it all? It's either downloads or stuff that they ripped from from a CD onto their iPod. I, I mean, I've never had heard somebody say, "Oh, I just." got this vinyl you know or even like wanting to collect old like you know even if you want to collect old seven inches or you know old lps or stuff but no nah, nothing nothing like that i think i mean they certainly know it existed um but i don't think they there's much desire to actually find that stuff you know will you like walk into an fye or a best buy and for anyone that's from a different country or an area that they don't know those are the walmart of Music. home entertainment yeah pretty much you yeah. know they sell cds and stuff but i but they, i've seen you go walk in the best buy and they have they, or they had that they or at least had uh fye definitely hell i bought record frames from there so they're you know knowing that there's people that want to hang it up or collect it and i mean that's what i would presume i mean someone putting a record in a frame would be collecting you don't see a 50 some year old man walking in there and grew up on classic rock and stuff going fuck yeah i'm getting my records from fye so it's catered to the younger audience so it's kind of like who are these kids where are they where are they you know i don't see them right yeah i don't i don't see them a lot either i mean i don't go into fye too often that you know i'd rather kind of do local places go to there's there's a couple local places that sell cds and stuff that i'd rather go to but they, yeah they have plenty of vinyl and just like like you just said with the, the vinyl uh the frames for vinyl like they sell those some pre-framed some just empty frames so you can you know buy vinyl but there's a lot more vinyl than i mean i know years ago they were selling it for like a dollar a piece and now it's like up to you know 20 bucks for an lp you know because mm -hmm. people are collecting it and you can get turntables in you know most places and listen to stuff on vinyl again so i mean there's definitely a market for it but i don't see a lot of you know as you said asked about young people I, I don't see a lot then but there's it's definitely a market for it now it's well, just within the general population i guess what i'm guessing and we'll see what you guys think in high school there's there's the, probably the five percenters that will go out and find vinyl and CDs, do their own thing. But since it's such a trendy, cool thing, like I, th I think maybe why vinyl's so popular now, like other than in the un underground, whether it's the metal scene or the indie rock or whatever scene, it's like this whole hipster kind of vinyl thing seems yeah. to be like carrying it right now. And then, and then bands like Satan Satires and all these like seventies kind of vibe bands, I think's bringing it back because they, they want that. And like witch, uh, witchcraft. Okay. Um, yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly, they they're even recording real to real. Um, right. Whether they are there or not, who knows? But I, maybe that's it's not the high school kids, but it's the post college hipster, for lack of a better word, or kids that you know. Not that everybody that age is is a hipster. So by, so by your standards, a hipster is a certain age. Right. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying, Dick. <laughs> I thought my, my name was Reaper. <laughs> change it to Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean what do you guys think do you think that's it's because the high school kids and one they probably can't afford it you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah they're expensive that's why i'm asking dennis because i don't know I, I that's why i you know you see that shit like i said you know it's a clearly a place that you're not seeing a bunch of my dad's in his 50s you know mid 50s uh you know one of the, the, the classic rock dad you know like had his music in the day has his records off in the corner they're mostly collecting dust, but once in a while he'll bust them out. Has a heart for music, but doesn't, you know, spend his paycheck and all his things on it. But, you know, 
is wary of it. No, it could tell you the difference between rock and metal. You know, kind of like that. He's not walking an FYE, so it's kind of it's a, it's a younger demographic and people such as right. myself and you guys well, we're not going in, in there, there. Well, buying christmas presents birthday presents you know still like yeah well yeah i guess so i just i guess it's just one of those things like if you're one of these people listening we, i want to meet you Eddie, no, I, i'm I sure don't. grandparents are like walking in, into fye and stuff you and, think and buying dennis's students you know probably right now dennis's students Parents and grandparents, probably some of them are in FYE right now going, oh, well, Johnny doesn't know about CDs. Let's get Johnny a CD. Let's get him Justin Timberlake, you know, and that's, you know. Ugh. Have you ever had that, Dennis, where like a, a parent comes up to you and like, you know, what do you recommend for music wise for my son or daughter? <laughs> Thankfully, no. I was going to say, I, <laughs> I doubt I that. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, like they, they knew that you were. Do that, your that students you're the, know yeah, that you're in your music or do they just well, think you you're like the long hair guy? Yeah, good question. Uh, I guess I don't. I don't see that many of the parents and the ones I do have never asked. <laughs> so I uh, haven't come across that. I, I don't know what I would say. That was where I was going. Was the ones that he was talking to that, that knew they were oh. in the music? Like, did those parents ever ask? No, not 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 really. <laughs> I mean, just like I said, the one parent that I met, um, you know, that I was burning CDs for the kid that didn't ask what the hell the stuff was, just was happy that the kid was coming to school. And, I mean, the other kid, uh, the kid whose dad takes all his CDs, I guess he never asked me. I guess he just asked his kid for me to burn more so he can take them. <laughs> <laughs> did he even offer to, like, bring you blank CDs? <laughs> no, no, but he, he did say that his mom wanted me to give him some more T-shirts because I gave him T-shirts last year. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, give us some shit. Cause, some you know, mooching family. <laughs> I'm sure they know teachers make a shit ton of money, right? I mean, you're rolling in it, I'm sure. Uh, always, man. That's why I'm working, like, three jobs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Like the most important people on the planet get paid like shit. That sucks. Yeah, I'll step off my. Yeah, well, hey, no. man, everybody's job is tough, so I don't like to complain about it. You know, we've talked about have were the murders in the name of metal. Are there like kids and stuff that you see at the school that I mean, have proven our theory that listening to metal has nothing to do with going and shooting up a school. Do you see the the quote unquote metal kids that you rarely do see? Are they all depressed, and do they look like the kids that are going to go shoot up a school? No, nah, I mean, the kids that I've come across, not at all. I mean, they, they kind of just like like we are now. It's, you know, you enjoy the music, you listen to it for its entertainment, you, know, you joke about other stuff, and even joke about the music itself. But now nah, the depression and the worried about shooting up the school, I, I've never had that concern. I mean, even when other people, have been, I mean, remember, you know, the kid had like Black Sabbath written on their pants and one of the other teachers was like, oh, I, you know, that's such satanic stuff. And I, you know, had to tell him what you're talking about, <laughs> you know. Like, it's, it's not, actually. From that. But luckily, I haven't come across any kids like that. I mean, are there any out there? Probably somewhere, but none that I've, none that I've come across. But I, I mean, I obviously think it would be for reasons other than the music. Certainly not for the music. It would be some other sort of issues of depression or whatever the case may be that would cause that. But I, I certainly don't think it's the music. Well, that's like, I mean, there was a school shooting again yesterday in Colorado. Yeah, what's up with that? And then, yeah, well, yeah, no shit. And then, <laughs> you know, there was a shooting at LAX at the airport, and nobody blamed that on metal, because it was some... What's no. with all these pussies and just shooting shit? Like, like, like it's just get over it, little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like a fight, like a real dude. Yeah. Like, well, just punch him in the face. <laughs> it's, it's done. No, well, it, it's kind of funny, like, when, when Anton LaVey made the point, if they went to the homes of murderers and found bibles you know christian bibles and they never blame 
Christianity or the Bible for the murders, but God forbid you find a metal record or some occult literature book, you know, that's automatically blamed for it. <laughs> you know, well, even though there's many more people that have murdered that I'm sure have Bibles or there are church going people, but that never gets blamed for it. Of course versus, not. Versus, you know, anything you I, know, I would, on, the, on the brim or on the, you know, the outskirts of normal, you know. I always noticed as, a, you know, a metal kid when I was in school, and it kind of seems that's the, the same for you, Dennis, is the fact that, and maybe just because I wasn't a jackass, or maybe I am, I don't know, <laughs> you're a jackass, <laughs> but it, it seemed like it, there was more respect towards me, like, there, I, I don't know, like, I had a principal that, and I think they did think that I was going to shoot up the school because I hated every because <laughs> I hated everyone and I didn't I had my own lunch table I just attributed I was the coolest I was the coolest kid at school I got my own fucking lunch table and everything <laughs> that's fucking great <laughs> don't fucking sit by me you prick like that's that's great that's how I want everyone to be get the fuck away from me I don't know the the, the principal would talk to me and shit and you know if he, like one day we we're talking about prong or something I was like I love you know I love the first prong record it's only eighteen minutes and something like you know he walked out and came back in. He's like, is it is it still going? Ha 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 ha! But you know, but like you know, you had it was almost like it wasn't like this child treatment. There was a, 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 just a respect, almost like a, a relation. And I think it was because you listen almost to a, a more mature music in a way. And and it kind of sounds like you're almost having that. Maybe not so much with the students, but the, the parents are also seeing it too by, you know, hey, give them more clothes. I mean, maybe they, they see it as a, a free clothing opportunity. It's a closing <laughs> right for our son. But the, it also, they maybe, or to slice it the other way, is they, they see it, it's a, a good thing for their son because maybe this is, this is a good role model for them because it's an adult, it's a teacher, Rather than some jackass kid that is in the drugs and you know going to blow up a school, like, do you think there's any truth to what I'm saying? Or yeah, definitely because I mean they know the kids coming to school and you know we're not just talking about music and trading CDs. Like he's coming to school and doing his work and you know working towards getting his diploma, which is you know what you know you want them to do. You know whether they're right. into metal or not, you want them to graduate. So I mean, if that's something that can keep bringing them to school, um, you know, to help them get there to graduate and then, you know, move on with their life in the best way. I mean, that's what the real goal is. So it's just cool that there is kids in the metal for that, but obviously would you, you want to help every kid, not just the kids that are in the metal, but you know, you, you certainly develop a relationship with the metalhead kids because you can relate to them in a, in a way like, you know, that as you know, Reaper, you were just saying like what your principal was cool with you with that. So, you know, it's cool to, to feel when you come to school that somebody understands and they don't think you're some, you know, obscure weirdo that is going to shoot up the school, you know, yeah. Hey, hey, Dennis, those kids that aren't in the middle? Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, no one from your school is listening, so you can be honest. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was actually a good point, though, about looking back, it seemed like a lot of people, when they talked to me about the music, they, they were very, they weren't like, oh, look at you and your little music. You know, it was like an adult conversation. Yeah. I'll take it one step further because, and I'm talking like middle school. And for anyone that doesn't know that, the sixth, sixth to eighth grade. So how old's that? Or seventh to tenth, depending on. The era, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess. Depending on when you were, uh, or seven to ninth, if. But uh, so so what? So that's what? So twelve to fourteen? Does that sound about right? Yeah, 12, 12, 14, 15, something yeah. like that. So, so within that age bracket, and, and now I'll take it one step further. Is not only did you have like the at least me had the the adult conversation, the nice treatment. It was almost because they would they would bring up and what was popular around that time would be like Slipknot and Corn and crap, and. And so that was obviously talked about, like, 
well, you like heavy metal, like what, like this? And it's like, no, 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 no. And it's like, oh, and like the, it had like this curious level, and it, like it got to a point where it was like they almost saw it too. Like, well, that's just this shitty mainstream thing that the kids are into. Like, like he actually has a mind of his own. Like you, like you know, it. I don't know. I just think the respect went one step further. Because you listen, like because you were doing what everybody else did, yeah, and and they and I think they 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 saw then that you aren't some fucking just crazy kid that wants to kill everyone, and and so for any kids that are listening, use this as a booster, not to go kill people, to not kill people, right? Well, no, that that they, but they saw that you're kind of like just not uh, of these people. You can't relate to them because you have this different mindset. You 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 think outside the box of what these kids are crammed down their throat, or you just don't relate to them. That's why you're that cool and you have your own lunch table is because you don't relate to these people not because you want to fucking shoot them all which i did want to do that too but i wasn't going to not literally yeah exactly well (laughs) hey dennis you said you teach english as well as math yeah what would you do if a kid brought in iron maiden rhyme and ancient mariner if you guys were studying cool words would that be like the coolest thing ever (laughs) it would be but don't don't laugh but a a couple years ago the, the one of the high school teachers was was teaching rhyme of the ancient matter so i told him about the iron maiden song and like no way so i uh actually lent him the cd and he used it in class to teach the class rhyme of the ancient mariner and then ever since i mean i think i burned him a copy of it so he's used it every year since when he teaches that that's (laughs) sweet i did that too i I was in eighth grade i did that but i brought in the live after death version of it because i thought that that was more powerful just how awesome that's really cool that was that was my highlight of my middle school career then reading dante's inferno it's like oh fuck and then you see like all the the metal relations to that uh paradise lost it's like hey Hey, that's where they got their name you know and yeah you get the, it, it, it's funny right. because yeah it's like the metal the metal curriculum <laughs> right that'd be fucking sweet yeah, would, yeah. would you be able to do something yeah, like you, that you mean bring in music for something yeah to, well like well you're related. teaching english so obviously they have to read uh like books and stuff so if you like had a certain i don't know uh say say for whom the bell tolls because it's an easy one to go to say they're reading that like right. would you be able to like yeah let them listen to the song and stuff. Not that they they probably heard it, but you know you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I wouldn't hesitate to it. I mean, it's like just the same standards I set for them. You know, anything that's you know, quote unquote school appropriate. You know, I would use. You know, so certainly, you know, rhyme and ancient mariner for whom the bell tolls. Uh, those sort of things I would have no problem using. You know, even uh, stranger in a strange land we used one time oh, for yeah. uh, when kids were studying the the ice man. You know, that that was found up in the mountains. Um, from i forget from the bronze age i think and it was kind of the, the lyrics although it wasn't about that kind of ran similar in the uh the storyline to the ice ice man so uh we actually used that once in class so yeah i wouldn't hesitate to use it you know and then and, and haven't because i have used it in the past for sure getting back to what you're saying about the um just you know finding out about you know slipknot versus you know more obscure underground stuff that's better i mean kids that do that i mean that's I mean, it's like any teacher would love them to do correct research, which is, you know, multiple sources. So, right. you know, anybody that's researching metal, you know, you need to go to tons of different sources to find stuff. And, you know, when you learn about different bands and how one band leads to another, to another, to another, I mean, that's, just, it is like independent research, you know, so it's, it's exactly, <laughs> it, it, I think it speaks to the intelligence of metal instead of just, you know, you know, people think it's just, you know, dude, you know, and stupid stuff like that. But it's it's, it's much more involved if you really do get into it. Dude, like, that's a good point, man. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
belong to you For some time now You lost your sin Chase your steady for it better I know you want it Even though you cannot tell I'll amass my depravity My take-off to
I feel that as a metal fan, I'm I'm very critical. I really like sounds. It just as a music fan, even in general, I, I like I like productions. I like sounds. Like certain things make something more appealing to me. It's not just because it's heavy. It's not just because it's this that really makes it appealing to me. I, you know, I'm like, well, I like that drum sound or that this or that 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 helps shape the recording. I mean, I, I feel that. I mean, why the hell are you recording it unless you're going to make it sound like a, a certain thing? Otherwise. Just go see it live, you know? I mean, I, I realize there's more to having a recording than just that. And, you know, it's a, a means of listening to a band that otherwise you're probably never going to see live. You know, mm. say you're in Africa or something. But with that being said, I feel that it's probably the most reputable, aside from Sunlight Studio in Sweden, where all the famous uh, Swedish death metal albums have been recorded, but Morris Sound. Big, probably the biggest staple studio in metal for this period at least at this point in time mm-hmm. and i've often attributed like you know i just think most of that stuff that comes out of there sounds like crap <laughs> <laughs> and i i feel it's a different it's always difference like when it comes to what's mostly attributed to and i think most recognized is the not as the death metal movement the floridian death metal or just anyone that was really going there it seems like florida just became the hollywood of it like everyone was moving to florida then yeah so like you know morbid angel relocated to florida uh, hell even uh glenn benton's not from florida originally he's from uh, new york city or, yeah, I mean, or, that's, or new york and Cannibal you know. corpse was originally from buffalo new york Ex- exactly yeah primate malevolent uh, creation and so on and so forth and i feel though it's like you know it there's probably what many reasons and ways behind, but but that became the staple, and it's kind of like I, I, it almost baffles me. Like you know, why would you want to go there? And and a lot of there's records that you know, even unbeknownst to me, you don't even realize. I think uh, Whiplash was a band that 
they they record records there and stuff, and it has different sound. But it, I, for the most part, I've always yeah just attributed it to sounding like crap. And and I know that I probably wasn't not really the only one to ever think it. And I mean, sure enough, with uh you know the whole uh, Norwegians uh, mayhem in particular, you know you know no fun, no trends or whatever the hell the the X out of Scott Burns. Oh yeah, he hated he hated Deicide. Yeah, exactly. And. Like Glenn Benton or not, or just because he wore blue jeans and stupid shit that Uranus is pointing out, burning an upside down cross on your forehead, I mean, that takes some balls. <laughs> Killing yourself doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. fucking cowardless. But I, yeah, I, but I think a lot of that, too. I mean, not standing up for the guy, but I think a lot of that comes out of um, him just being childish, spurting shit off young, just saying shit and you kind of grow out of being like, well, look, I'm really not that upset about it anymore. You kind of get used to it. Because let's face it, I, I can guarantee you if Euronymous was still alive, and no disrespect to Mayhem, I am a Mayhem fan. I actually like everything with that Euronymous plays on. If he was still alive to this day, he wouldn't be Mr. Evil doing what he's doing. I guarantee that band would suck ass as much as they do today. <laughs> still. So let's face it, he was just a kid too, just, you know, spouting off words. Maybe they'll make the What Happened segment at some point. Yeah, exactly. There'd be a big What Happened if he was still alive. Just mark my words on that, so... But I, not so much to debate that, though. But I, as you, you, and clearly as you know, speaking already, it, it's obviously apparent that you're a, a big, you know, death metal fan. And yeah. we, you know, we've had the conversation before, you know, about about such accusation from my standpoint, saying that you know, I think it sounds like shit. It doesn't really bother you with that. And, and as someone that it doesn't like, you know, that does does recording quality and stuff that that just doesn't like phase you or anything. Or I mean, it does more so now because you could be more selective. I mean, I'll tell you what, I think the sunlight studio sound is more annoying than more sound simply for the fact not because I think it's a bad sound because those records sound almost identical. More sound they did. They did have ones, but they kind of progressed. The first deicide, the first cannibal corpse. The first Malevolent Creation and the first Demolition Hammer and a few others that aren't coming straight out to my head up. Those albums sound very much alike. And something they have in common, especially the first DSI and the first Demolition Hammer, is the triggers sound like complete shit. The drum triggers. Yeah, the drum triggers. Correct. Yeah, they sound like complete shit. That I'll give you. Uh, I think the reason why it doesn't bother me is because I've, I've heard it at, at such a young age. And you was just blown away by the tunes. I think in an instance of like, say, yeah, say the first Deicide, I think the songs are so strong to where they can kind of get away with it. As opposed to if you just had like, you know, there's a lot of bands. So there's a lot of stuff to choose from nowadays where you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. In my opinion, there was nothing pretty good about Deicide. It was, holy <laughs> fucking shit, this is good. <laughs> and I, I've kind of loosened up a little bit on it, though, as, as I found out a little bit more, you know, Scott Burns, who's a you know, notable producer at Morris Sound Studio, did, you know, did, did virtually every, you know, record for 90s death metal, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of loosened up a little bit, knowing and hearing that it was more so a label request. It's kind of like, well, that's what works, and that's what is death metal, so just run with it. And it was, I think it was you that said it. It was like, you know, and, and how could you really frown to that when realistically there was no, like, this is the book, this is what death metal needs to sound like. Yeah, yeah that's what people don't understand. People have, like, especially the, the uh, 80s dudes. You know, the, um, the much older guys in the scene, which are like, I'm 89 down. I don't like anything from 90 up because that's 90s junk. Well, that's pretty arrogant and just ignorant, to be honest, because 90s is kind of where what's known as death metal or what the average person looks at as what death metal is 90s up. 
let's face it, yeah, possess seven churches, death, scream, bloody gore. Is that death metal? Yes, but it's not pure extreme death metal. What's looked at as death metal is stuff like Butchered at Birth, Human Waste, yeah. you know, Gorefest Mind Loss, Sinister Cross of Sticks, that kind of sounding music, Immolation. That's looked at when the average person thinks of death metal, they're thinking of stuff like that. No offense to people that are loving, you know, Hellhammer, Slaughter, um, you know, Death Possessed. I love those bands too. Not, no disrespect to them whatsoever. But at the end of the day, that, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at stuff like, you know, Cannibal Corpse, Deicide, Morbid Angel, stuff like that as, as, as the, the defining sound of death metal. So with that being said, you know, a lot of it was starting, you know, either 89 or 90. And they, that was when it was being defined. You know, they didn't, the music was kind of unborn. That sound was unborn. So they're kind of, everyone was trying to figure it out together. Scott Burns included. He's probably just like, you know, he's just one guy. You know, not that his opinion's right or wrong. He's just like, I'm hearing this extreme music, this heavy down-tuned guitars, these blasting drums, these growling vocals. Here's my take on it of what it should sound. So he produced it like that. Either you agreed with it or you didn't, you know, and there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, he didn't have no book to go by. He didn't have nothing to refer to. You know, he had to go by that. And um, so I think that's that's part of it when people like to rip on it. And as far as the bands putting in their two cents, you got to remember, you're looking at like Glenn Benton nowadays. You're like, oh, this is this 45-year-old man. He was, what the hell was he in 1990? I mean, he was a kid. Yeah, yeah. But they were all kids. They didn't fucking know. You know, they were just learning it. They were excited. They were full of testosterone and energy, and they just wanted to play aggressive music. They were just happier than a pig in shit to have a freaking recording budget or even be assigned to a label. You know, that's that's what you got to understand. Now, like someone like Sunlight Studio, which was a little bit more annoying. I mean, fuck me. Even to this day, those records are like, God damn, how many records do you need that sound just like this? Don't get me wrong. I like a lot of records like that. I like the Swedish scene, dude. I love like an ever flowing stream and and uh, the first grave and well, the first couple graves, Carnage and Entombed and Unleashed. I like those bands. I like that stuff a lot. But for bands to be still coming out to this day and sounding like that, it's like, fuck, I don't really think more sounds doing that. Because even if you take a band like, listen to the second Cannibal Course, Butchered Birth, that doesn't sound like eating back to life. Mm-hmm. Then especially, certainly the third one, too, to me, like, doesn't sound. Each one sounds a little different. And even a debut record like Monstrosity's Imperial Doom, it doesn't have that shitty trigger sound. I think he was kind of learning his going. You know, Imperial Doom has a really kind of like beefy sound, in my opinion. You could tell it was at sunlight, but it wasn't like holy fuck, dismember and tomb, they sound exactly alike. It wasn't like that. So I don't think they deserve to be ripped on as much as like Sunlight, for example. In my I opinion. feel though there's a little bit of a difference, though, between the, the parallels of, of more sound and, and Sunlight Studio. I think the, the, the difference between the, the Swedish scene, though, was it wasn't exactly the, stu- the studio that made the sound. It was the, the guitar tone. Yeah. Or, and, 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 they, and, you know, it's just the style of vocals. I, I, you know, I think uh, it, it's often... Or these within my circle have been said like entombed or uh, uh, dismember. Yeah, were more of uh, for lack of better explanation in general as it may be hardcore kind of perspective of death metal vocals mm-hmm. where it could have been more of a snarl or, or snarl or growl and, and, and it wasn't and, and, and so that that's a little more defining to it. But you, I mean you can get that sound anywhere. Fuck, I mean even unleashed. The, uh, the first album that wasn't recorded at uh, Sunlight Studio. Yeah, and that's why that, and that record. And it sounds different. <laughs> it sounds different, exactly. It sounds different than the other ones. Exactly. But I say, like, even with Morrison, I didn't think they all sounded the same. I think that the uh, biggest disappointing thing with uh, Morrison 
was with what he did with some records. I mean, like for example, the first DSI, the trigger sound like shit. Yeah. The uh, first demolition hammer tr- trigger sound like shit. Uh, Death leprosy. I know a guy that hates to how the drums sound. They sound like trash cans. Hey, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Death leprosy. There's that. So I think they kind of butcher that. And also, um, I think one of the biggest butcherings they ever did was the band Master. I mean, the, uh, on the seventh day, God created master. The songs on that are actually pretty good, but the triggers are so horrendous that I can't even listen to that record. Yeah, but as I asked Paul, man, and it made no, or made made light to him, man, you got many versions of those songs to get acquainted with. Oh yeah, yeah, not to mention, but I mean, and that that could be support your theory too, because like the first master record that debuted, I think is good, but nothing compares to the unreleased 1985 recording. That I mean, that smokes everything they've ever done. So who knows? Maybe more sound ruined that recording too. The self-titled, like I said, it's good, but it's not. So maybe, maybe if you did hear some of those more sound ones on a different, you know, recording, that would be even better. It's but who, no one would ever know. Yeah, I just feel that they're, they're like, and using the Swedish example again, you know, there. I think what's iconic by Sunlight Studio, and and realistically, I, I I'm not even totally. I don't think I could even point out particularly what defines a sunlight studio sound i can tell you what defines a, a swedish death metal sound but like i mean yeah, i guess saw guitar yeah the yeah. saw. but i mean like yeah. i said you know you could do that anywhere with a microphone and a freaking well they're doing it now oh. anyways i mean there's a band uh from uh from a uh, mexico called dark creed which came out a few uh the now i'm called like like dark regions and that's like you would have thought it was from sweden i think we played that in the show before. yeah good stuff real good stuff uh, like i said i'm not ripping on the swedish scene i'm, I'm a big fan of it but it's like God damn! You don't need two thousand one bands that sound the same. <laughs> You're right, but I, I, to say so to really to kind of nitpick what was from that studio or whatnot. I think what was really the difference between Morrison, which iconic on that. I, I, I feel that there's just always a very like blanket over the speaker effect <laughs> with it. It's just not really. Yeah, kind of. It's it kind of dull. It's kind of dull. Yeah, it's, it's kind of dull. Yeah, but even with like some of the thrash stuff they did, like I'm a fan of Iced Earth. Mm-hmm. Fuck. That was recorded there, like you know uh, the album of Days of Purgatory, which uh, goes back with a different singer. Uh, they're 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 good. They're classic singer Matt Barlow going and redoing the first two albums or songs off them, doing his voice on there, reusing the same music. It's like and and even my car, man. I like I'll add treble to it. I'm like just goddamn, like it's just so dull. Yeah, and a lot of those too, especially that people are getting now. I mean, I guess they they were even more dull. Is uh like uh I remember when they were being reissued like like the early DSIs and the uh, obituaries, they were uh, being remastered. You know they came out as remastered, so even like the original mastering, people must have been really thought they were shit. You got you got to crank those things to hear them. Yeah, I mean, and mastering is going to shape it a little bit more too, the sound. But so maybe they realized they themselves. need a remix. <laughs> yeah. Bring it up to Reaper. I'll remix. I want to remix those. Yeah. Buckets. So maybe, maybe they realized it themselves. You know, looking back at it, you know, ten years later at the time, you know, they probably reissued. You know, I mean, remastered that stuff. On I don't know, probably around two thousand or so, something around there. And you know, most of those recordings were nineteen ninety or ninety one, majority of them even 89 for slowly rot um they probably maybe looking back at themselves being like oh you know these don't sound as good as they could have like i said i think it was a learning curve for everybody you yeah. know and i think one of the things the bands are slightly to blame but they they are and they're not they're young kids is they were kind of just copying each other like well you know death went there i live in florida let's record there where the hell else are you gonna go right that was in their mind or like you know this is the closest studio they've recorded death metal as opposed to billy bob joe down the road he's never recorded death metal so he doesn't know what the fuck he's gonna do so i think a lot of them they they weren't just 
they are almost like it's a risk to go anywhere else because no one's going to know how to handle this music. Yeah, it's a good and point. I think that's a, that was a lot of that for sure. Going like that's an accurate statement because if you listen to Eating Back to Life, you know Glenn Benton, he's doing backing vocals on that. Well, I'm sure he just recorded his album right around the corner that time because they're both 1990. He did backing vocals on Cancer's Death Shall Rise. You know, they, they're kind of like oh, pretty much hanging out at sunlight. You know, so I mean, they're kind of just like, well, so and so's death metal band. They record there. They're my friends. Why would I go anywhere else? Why would I take the risk of maybe if it sounded like shit? But in the case of a band like Cancer being from the UK, you'd almost think that it'd be cheaper for the label standpoint just to fly them over to Sunlight Studio. Yeah, Sweden. but that was their second album. I mean, maybe I'm sure at that point that's it was what they wanted. Yeah, well, that, exactly. I think that was probably a trend because, again, when we're talking about the labels. You know, road roader and stuff. I mean, I always got the pressure there that they just give a shit about what sells. You know, they're probably like, oh, well, the kids. I want, think the kid, that's clear. Yeah, the, <laughs> at the this kid, point, like the kids want more sound. That's what they buy. That's what we're gonna give them. <laughs> and that's why, as if you know, Seattle, for example, with Hell's Headbangers. I mean, there's none of that crap going on. It's literally like when we sign a band, you record wherever the fuck you want. We don't give a shit. Yeah, they just give you the album. They just right? give us. They just give us the master disc, ready to roll, run it. You know, <laughs> that's what it is. <clears throat> and what and. But is that really a, 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 a back to the hell setbangers thing? But is that really a, a, a thing that you elect to do because that that's what works best, or is that just kind of like well, it's just easier to do it that way rather than? Well, it's not. At least I think the bands. I mean, I don't think the label should have any damn say what the band does. The, the band is the artist. Mm-hmm. The label shouldn't be telling them what to do. The band should. I mean, the label should sign them because they like the band for what they're doing. They like the artist. Not hey, we're going to boss you around and tell you what to do. I can't even. I mean, that blows my mind that any band would even accept that if yeah. i was in a band i'd tell you to fuck off <laughs> you know so yeah that's actually kind of mind-blowing so needless to say there won't be any more, more sound, relocation the more sound it could be or, or, or come come the reaper metal studios we'll get a job yeah no i mean if we i mean i, I mean I, I wouldn't be against you know releasing somebody that would record at more sound if i liked it i liked it if i don't i don't it's that it's that simple, and obviously, I mean, certainly, whatever Morris sounds doing now. To be honest, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I know it exists, but I don't think Scott. Bur- I think. It, I think mostly notice that to say Morris sound might be. They might be. Oh, fuck them. They're giving us a bad name. We got to sue some Hellcast. Uh, it might be. It's mostly. I just think Scott Burns as a producer. And and he's long since out of the scene, I believe, or not. Yeah, I don't really, metal. I don't really follow him. Like again, I mean, I wasn't a a, a really <clears throat> a fan in general of him. I wasn't a fan or not against him. It just so happened to be, yeah, he's the guy that produced records that I just so happened to like. I didn't like him because of him. I liked him because of the artists. I thought they did killer songs. They were writing stuff that was appealing to me, both musically, lyrically, everything. You know, was what I liked. He just be so happened to be the guy that, that recorded and produced it. I wasn't like a, you know getting a T-shirt of Scott Burns. You know, I was getting a T-shirt of the of the bands, the albums. That those are the artists. They're the ones that write it, written it. If with without them, he'd have nothing to produce. He'd be out of a job. So then, minimally, they could at least record it in their garage, and it was you'd still have the music. It just yeah. wouldn't sound the same. <laughs> that's huh? well. I think at the end of the day, that's what really all's. A lot of people are able to look past recording qualities and stuff. I, maybe it's just one of the nerdish features of Yeah, I mean, well, like, take, take a look at Death the Mantis. I mean, their demos are better, in my opinion, than any album they ever put out. Those are in their garage. <laughs> so thanks, thanks, Scott, for those trash can drums on Leprosy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, that's all for Hellcast this time. I'm Reaper, and you can get a hold of me at uh, hellcast at hellsheadbangers.com. And since, you know, this has been from our sponsor at Hell's Headbangers, you know, you want, by all means, if you hear anything that you like from now or anything on Hellcast, 
please pick it up now because you got the boss on board here. We want to keep the uh, the funds going to keep the show going. But if you want to say give a shout out or be like, hey, you're kicking ass on the show, come back. You know where to reach them just by putting your fucking special instruction on your order. <laughs> so, yeah, you can do that too. <laughs> so we'll talk to you next time when uh, Eddie Satan has got off the toilet. <laughs>
when you 